Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Another day from Miami, Florida. Now the weather has actually become Floridian. After five days of truly cold weather, oh, cold, if, I mean, those of you in Minnesota would laugh, but 50-something is cold here, even 60. But, you know, when you're in Florida, you're in one of the few free states, arguably the freest in the United States of America. Let me put it to you this way. If somehow, in some divine switcheroo, California and Florida exchanged weathers, very few people would remain in California. Everything else about Florida is superior. Oh, except one thing, to be honest. The stoplights, the traffic lights for reasons that only the Holy One, blessed be He, the Almighty, knows. Virtually every light here is two to three minutes, an absurdity for which I have no explanation. However, that is a small price to pay for living in the way America should live, free, not driven by sick ideologies, like having... Men who say their women shower with minor girls naked, like at the YMCA in Santee, I think it was, outside of San Diego in California. And the girl is whom the mainstream media attack, not the narcissist, sicko, who uh, thinks he should show his genitalia to uh, young girls. If that doesn't explain to you how sick the left is, nothing will. That's it. That's, that's one of the great stories of clarity. Clarity is our best friend. So you're in Florida and you just palpably feel it. People I know who have moved here from California that I've talked to say that it is not fully describable, but the the sense of a weight lifted off you, that you don't live in a sick world, and you live in a healthy world, is... Uh, is something they experience on a daily basis, and I, I believe them. Yeah. What, uh, what has been done to, to Florida is really more remarkable. It's just remarkable. People are happier here. How could they not be? I would love to know the, uh, the average... 15 to 22-year-old, how many are, what rate of depression and suicide you have in Florida as, com- as compared to California? Same, same ethnic group, same socioeconomic status. It would be an interesting test. I, I wonder if it's available. If anybody can find that for me, I would appreciate it. 
I, I just have to believe that even having schools open soon, not even, that having schools open sooner was a big factor. Non-masks. In other words, kids are not frightened here like they are in California and New York and other despicably run places by the left. Damaging children is the vocation of the left. Do you realize that? Virtually everything with regard to young people enacted by the left damages young people. COVID, DEI, obsession with the existential threat to their lives that fossil fuels present, the denigration of their country and their history, the uplifting of the importance of the color of a human being's skin, the drag queen story hours. Do you understand? If somebody wanted to damage children, actually wanted to, some diabolical human wanted to damage children, that individual or that devil would adopt the left wing's policies. There would be nothing else to do. So it's irrelevant that people on the left have a clear conscience. The conscience is as powerful a tool for good as yogurt. Sorry, just the fact of life. Read my column on the conscience from a couple of weeks ago. Everyone who hurts people has a clear conscience. Just about everyone. Every ideology that has harmed staggering numbers of human beings, its proponents sleep well at night. So the fact that leftists have a clear conscience is of no significance except to tell you that the conscience is staggeringly weak in creating goodness on planet Earth. Wisdom is infinitely more important than conscience. That's right, but just think of that. If someone were to to design a way to hurt young people, they would simply adopt the left's The progressives, I love the name, the progressives' policies. So, some thoughts on being in Florida for a week, a little over a week. I have been here, and I am very, very lucky to have been here for this. This is part two. The Daily Wire has convened Jordan Peterson, and... Now, I believe seven of us, so about eight in total, from various parts of the Western world to gather together to study the book of Exodus from different perspectives, Jews, Christians, Orthodox Christians, Jordan Peterson, a master of the world of psychology, it's it's a high to be with these people for me. As I have said to you 
in speaking of my own nature, one of the many divisions you could make among the human species is that there are those who want to be stars and there are those who want to be on an all-star team. I have always preferred to be on an all-star team. And that is what I feel that I am a part of in this seminar, which millions will see. There is clearly a thirst. We were discussing this last night at a get-together of the of those who are participating in the seminar. There is definitely a thirst, not even all, always articulable, for religion, not left-wing religion, not secular religion, like environmentalism, which is a false god, and all false gods lead to evil, but the authentic thing rooted in the West's greatest book, the Bible. The numbers who are watching and who are not just the this this seminar, this Exodus study, the numbers that are who are watching all sorts of Bible teaching on the internet are really staggering. And they are not all already religious. And many of them are young people who, in another way the left has damaged them, has deprived them. It's not only what they've inflicted upon them, fear upon fear upon fear, horrible policies upon horrible policies like vaccinating young people where the odds of being hurt are greater than the odds of being helped by the so-called COVID vaccine for a young person. But they have also been deprived of what is beautiful. They have been inflicted with what is ugly and deprived of what is beautiful. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here, so guess what? My favorite, one of my, well, one of my favorite clips of all time, the Prime Minister of New Zealand telling her people that if you don't hear it from the government, it is not true. A very sweet totalitarian. As I have said to you so often, the amount of damage nice people do in the macro is as is as great as the amount of damage not nice people do. She seems to be a nice person and she has done terrible damage. She's a totalit- a nice totalitarian. Do you understand the, the damaging uh, ideas behind this belief that Her name is Jacinda Ardern, New Zealand's Prime Minister, and I bring her up again because she has just announced that she's stepping down, and her Labour Party is in trouble because she was quite popular individually. People love to vote for nice people. The reason people vote for nice people is that people are duped 
into thinking because most people lack wisdom. That's why. They're duped into thinking that a nice person will do nice things for their society. One has nothing to do with the other. A not-nice, wise person is infinitely superior in terms of leadership to a nice, unwise person. This woman, like everyone on the left, is bereft of wisdom. You cannot be wise and a leftist. It is not possible. You can be wise and a liberal. You can be wise and a conservative. But you cannot be wise and a leftist. All truth comes from the government. You can trust us as a source of that information. Uh, You can also trust the Director General of Health and the Ministry of Health. COVID19.govt.nz. Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information your single frequently. source we will of share truth. Everything we can, uh, everything you are, else you see, um, a grain of salt. And, and when you see those messages, remember that unless you hear it from us, um, it is not the truth. Isn't that amazing? Unless you hear it from us, it is not the truth. I've played this for you about 20 times since she first said it. That is an evil idea from a sweet person. That's a perfect example of how irrelevant it is whether or not a politician is nice. Do you care if your oncologist is nice? You would prefer it. But is that how you choose your oncologist? Is that how you choose any doctor in your life? Is the doctor nice? If you needed surgery, would you ask, is the surgeon nice? No, you would ask about the surgeon's record in conquering cancer. That is all that would matter to you. All that should matter to you in choosing a leader is what will they do for my country, not are they nice. Every never-Trumper is a wisdom-challenged person. They didn't ask, what does he? What did he do or does he do for the country? They asked, is he nice? You know how childish an attitude that is? It is painful for me to say this because there are people I like and have liked and have respected who adopted this immature attitude. Is he nice? Are you out of your minds? Why does that matter to you? No, he's not nice. So what? Do you care about the country or whether he's nice? Is Biden nice? Biden is personally despicable and macro despicable. And it doesn't matter if he were the nicest man in America, the damage that he has done to America. And yet, there are people who have been in my life, much of my life, who voted for Joe Biden. Republicans because they can't stand Donald Trump. The narcissism and childishness of that attitude is painful to me because I'm thinking of some very, very impressive people who failed the test of maturity. She's very nice. She said she's stepping down because she can't, uh, basically she can't balance being the prime minister of a country, and the needs of her family. I I think that's a truly admirable attitude. 
She, in fact, she said, I want, to, I want to be with my little, I think, little girl more. And then she said, and with, with a statement to her partner, and now let's get married. They're not married. They're partnered. And even that's really good. The fact that she acknowledges she wants to marry the man that she had as a baby with is a very nice thing. I don't know why this is not obvious to people. Maybe it's because we live in the age of feelings, which is the opposite of wisdom. Is Trump nice? Oh, my God. (laughs) What policies did he enact? Isn't that more important, like the oncologist? How many tumors has he excised? Well, I said this the whole time. A friend of mine who went from left to right was having dinner with him. And his mother can't stand me. (laughs) And what is it about me she truly dislikes? How could a man who preaches morality have supported Donald Trump? They, They think that that's actually a serious question. Isn't that amazing? Well... And then when you point out all the good that he did as president, it it makes no impact. Yeah, but didn't he make fun of a a journalist, of a reporter with a disability? Remember that? In fact, he didn't make fun of the disability. He made fun of the journalist. But they don't care. It's too important to them to believe what they believe. I believed it too till I actually looked into it. It has been proven to me that the shrugging of the shoulders, the shaking, whatever it was, was something Trump does to the abled and disabled equally. Anyway, the disability of the man had nothing to do with shaking. Doesn't matter. People believe what they want to believe. We continue. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Welcome back or to the show. Very, very interesting issue. The issue of liking leaders. And I'm thinking of the Prime Minister of... New Zealand, she is. She announced suddenly that she's stepping down. She wants to take care of her family. She has a young daughter who was born while she was in office. And now, according to the New York Times, her party is in a, a great danger of losing the next election. Her liberal, or I think it's the liberal party, and there is a uh, there is a more conservative party that is primed to win, and it is because of her popularity individually. 
Otherwise, the country has a lot of problems. New York Times, which loves the uh, Jacinda, voters are principally concerned about the many economic issues the country faces. We had a caller last hour who said that the Financial Times said things were great economically in New Zealand. So either the Financial Times or the New York Times is wrong. Voters are principally concerned about the many economic issues the country faces. Home prices in New Zealand, which surged over the past decade, fell 12% in 2022. Borrowers, most of whom are able to fix their mortgage rate for only a few years at a time, unlike us, we can get 30- and 15-year loans easily, are at a high risk of negative equity as they balance a high cost of living and surging inflation with the twin catastrophes of falling home prices and rising interest rates. Also, a perceived rise in violent crime. That's, that is the New York Times way of saying people don't know what they're talking about when they think that there is really a rise in violent crime. It's just perceived including high-profile incidents in which employees of corner stores have been attacked and in one case killed, has also contributed to a sense of dissatisfaction. Ben Thomas, a political commentator and former press secretary for the National Party, said Ms. Arden's resignation would come as a surprise for many New Zealanders and could spell disaster for Labour. Okay, not Liberal Party, Labour Party. She's Labor's number one political asset. It would be very much a personal decision to step down as opposed to a considered strategy about what would be best for Labor in the election. By the way, she uh, she said in her remarks, this is fascinating, Ms. Arden addressed her partner, the television presenter Clark Gayford, and their five-year-old daughter, Neve, or Nev, N-E-V-E. They were, she said, quote, the ones that have sacrificed the most out of all of us. To Nev, mom is looking forward to being there when you start school this year. And to Clark, let's finally get married. I find that part really fascinating. I have no way of knowing, but I wonder if she has wanted to get married all along. Well, anyway, she uh, she is very popular because people like her, not because of her policies, obviously, because if they liked her policies, then they may have liked some of them, but then the other party, the National Party, wouldn't be favored to win, people would just want a continuation of her policies with the Labor Party. And I cited this because the woman is a totalitarian. If you don't hear it from the government, it is not true. One of the most frightening comments a leader can make in any country. If you don't hear it from the government, it is not true. I don't know why that doesn't scare New Zealanders. Wouldn't scare half the Americans. They believe that. You don't hear it from the NIH. It is not true. Yeah. All those many scientists and doctors who have told you for the last two and a half years about the dangers of lockdowns, keeping kids out of schools, masking children, 
and vaccinating young people, they don't know what the hell they're talking about because the only truth is the NIH truth or the CDC truth or even more obvious, the New York Times and Democratic Party's truth. Isn't that something? <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the only truth. There is no other truth. Well, people have, have come to believe that. And I raise this point because it's so important about the issue of leaders being liked. People, some people loved Donald Trump. Many people hated Donald Trump and continue to do so. I thought he was a magnificent president. Can't say that I liked him much. It never even occurred to me as a question, do I like Donald Trump? Hmm. I like friends. I like my family, thank God. A lot of people love their family but don't like them. I really like my wife. I don't seek to like people outside of my own personal circle. I'm, I told you why I'm here in Miami. You'll find this fascinating, I think, because it, it shows you, again, the, the power of the Bible and its wisdom, the greatest wisdom ever compiled. We just finished the book of Exodus and are going to the end of the Israelites' sojourn into the promised land, into Canaan. And we mentioned in passing how much more popular Moses' brother Aaron was than Moses. When they, when the, the, the grief that was described that Moses' death was not comparable to the grief described that Aaron's death. They loved Aaron because Aaron was much more pliable than Moses. They kept... Re- revolting against Moses. Moses was a leader whom they were not personally particularly fond of, but he was an enormously fantastic leader. A sculpture of him with the Ten Commandments is in the U.S. Supreme Court. Aaron was much more liked, apparently, than his brother who was not a good speaker either, as the Bible tells us. Aaron was the actual spokesman for Moses, who had a speech impediment, as it happens. Some great leaders are liked, and many are not. And if you aim to be liked, you can't be a great leader. If you aim to be liked, you can't be a great parent. If you aim to be liked, you can't be a great talk show host. If you aim to be liked, you can't be a good teacher. If you aim to be liked, it's an interesting question. Can you be a great doctor? Well, not if that's your primary aim. It's better to have a nice doctor than a not nice doctor. But very few people choose their doctor based on niceness. 
certainly not if they have a serious illness and need surgery. It's a childish thing. Maybe people who didn't have a parent that they particularly liked feel this great need to like a president. I wonder about the psychology of never-Trumpers. You really ask as your first question whether you like Trump, not whether he did good for the country? What kind of question is that? And I am, uh, I am, I am not hoping that he uh, runs. I, I think he's done fantastically good in his presidency. So I, I, I am not a never Trumper, and I am not an only only Trumper. Only Trump is as irrational as never Trump. Something worth remembering. But there is a psychological need to like some figure, I think. If you need to like a prime minister or president. one Prager 776 So the, uh, the very interesting issue is what's happening in New Zealand with this very popular prime minister announcing she's stepping down and Labour Party now in trouble because people really like her in New Zealand. But they are troubled by by their economy, the violence that apparently is increasing. The economy, meaning inflation, lower values for houses with higher interest rates. So the the question is, why is it important to you that a leader be likable? I don't have a good answer for that. Ron DeSantis is a great leader. I have no idea how likable he is. He doesn't strike me as pursuing likability. I don't think it matters to him if he's loved. Now, I could say as a public figure, it is nicer to be loved than hated. The reason is not self-centered. The reason is that if you're loved, it means people are responding positively to you and what you stand for. But you can't be animated by the desire uh, to be liked, let alone loved. You know how many Russians loved Stalin? Still do, by the way. The man butchered 20 to 40 million of their fellow citizens. You know how many Chinese seem to adore Mao? The greatest monster of the 20th century and a century of monsters? He was personally a monster. He was not just a monster in in the policies that he pursued. He developed unique ways of torture to terrorize people and to supporting the Chinese Communist Party in its early days. Raped women with with abandon. I, I like the way this girl looks. Send her to my room. 
And the guy was loved and still is by many. Giant picture is is up at the what is it? The People's Palace, the great the great Parliament building of the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> it's a very interesting issue. The whole issue of like, in any event, and love—they're both fascinating issues. In the personal realm, it's really interesting. I never uh, wonder if people love their children. I mean, that's built into the animal kingdom. The question that really should be asked is, do you like your children? (laughs) And same with parents. Do you like your parents? There's a a lot involved there. major issue here based on the resigning from office of Jacinda what's her last name Ardern yes not a common name Jacinda Ardern she is uh, very popular and it's her popularity that her likability that makes her so popular because according to the New York Times and Reuters and others and all on the left who love her her party is in trouble if she steps down that's how important likability is to getting votes apparently she's also extremely frightening to me because she is a left-wing totalitarian if you do not hear it from the government, it is not true. It's, I wonder if 2% of New Zealanders, when they heard that, were frightened. If I could ask one question about New Zealand, that would be my question. How, what percentage of the population was scared of their leader? when she said, if you do not hear it from the government, it is not true. My suspicion is 2%. I mean, we've said essentially the same thing. That's That's what CDC, NIH, Democratic Party, they say the exact same thing here. If you don't hear it from the left, it is not true. Right? There's no misinformation or disinformation from the left. There's only misinformation and disinformation from the right. Misinformation and disinformation are terms that have nothing to do with information. They're entirely political terms to, to censor the opposition. Why is there uh, so little research, or even desire for research into all the deaths of these young, vibrant athletes, for example, out of nowhere dropping dead. 
Why is there no research? Why is there no research on on the health benefits uh, or non-benefits of the vaccine on young people? Do you not care? The answer is they do not care. That is correct. As I pointed out last hour, if you had to design a series of policies to hurt young people, you could not come up with anything worse than what the left has done to young people. And uh, these young people's parents, half those parents are fine with it. Okay. Let's see what you have to say here. This is a good point from Andrew in Philadelphia, a city on the way down. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Dennis. Yeah, this city is going straight down. Uh, I just wanted to say I wholeheartedly agree with you. I'm a, you know, I'm a Catholic and I'm a father of five. I didn't particularly like Trump, but I wholeheartedly supported him. Uh, George Patton wasn't a particularly likable general, but he was definitely effective. But the main point I wanted to make was that Ronald Wilson Reagan was the exception to that rule. He was both extremely right. likable and highly effective. Right, though the left hated him. I mean, just f- for the record, yeah. I don't. I don't want to. They, 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 they. Their general statement was he was an idiot. Right. Partially because. Partially because whatever a, a, a non-leftist says is called stupid and false. Right. But anyway, you're you're a hundred percent right. He he was yeah, on, he Dennis. was liked he ineffective. Yeah. When I was. I, so Reagan was president when I was a child. I had fond memories of that time. But was the 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 hatred anywhere comparable to what Reagan got from the left to what Trump got from the left? No. If you take that's, my meetings, did fair, he? Did he yeah, did but Reagan but it's also it's well, well wait wait wait. But that is because of the left, not Trump. The left has mm. is only hate. They hate DeSantis at least as much as they hate Trump. Oh, I'm just I'm just waiting for all the articles to come out. DeSantis is worse than Trump and worse than Hitler. Well, as bad as Hitler, it's hard to be worse than Hitler, even on the left. Yeah, there's no question he's called. Uh, I I haven't seen it, but I am willing to bet that mainstream leftists have already described him as a fascist. Certainly, is a hater. Now, the 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 issue of why Trump was so much more hated than Reagan has little to do with Trump and everything to do with the left. The left hates me. Am I? Uh, what exactly about me is hateable? That I try to reconcile parents with their children, have couples love each other more. Hello, my friends. Great to be with you from Miami, Florida, where it's actually getting warmer. Had a cold week. What a joy. I'm in a free state. It's amazing, the division in the United States. Well, look, the truth is we're not United States at this time. There's no joy in saying this, but we're not United States. Philosophically, morally, the state I live in, California and Florida, have nothing in common. 
Nothing. I, I, I can't think of any important value that Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis agree on. And that's an amazing thing. I'm I'm quiet because I'm actually trying to come up with something. I mean, they both agree uh, that robbing a bank is wrong, but that that's silly because there's there's no policy on robbing a bank. Although they do differ on how to treat bank robbers, <laughs> so <laughs> even there. But on anything. They have nothing. They have nothing in common. This is not. This was not even true in the Civil War. They didn't. Obviously, they had opposing views on slavery. But other than that, on many many issues, Northerners and Southerners agreed. This is uh, this is a, a unique bifurcation. Anyway, hello from Florida. And now I have an interesting subject, which I can't believe I never raised. No, I've raised it a hundred times in the course of my career, including last hour, including earlier this week when I described to you the rise of the single woke female. The unprecedented percentage of young women who have never been married and have no children It's unprecedented. It's the highest in American history. And they're a disproportionate number of the woke uh, members of the society. In other words, the sick, the morally sick, psychologically sick members of the society. I have no... uh, That's the kindest way I can describe woke. Uh, Sick. Because then it puts the onus on the sickness, not on the individual... But anyway, that's not my point. My point is about the single part. So I, I have argued, and I this predilection of single women toward horrible ideas, dis- children-destroying ideas, society-destroying ideas, culture-destroying ideas, freedom-destroying ideas, it, it makes the case for marriage. Single men are overwhelmingly the ones involved in violent crime. Single women are overwhelmingly involved in destroying the ideological roots of society. Single people, some single people are spectacular. But if you have to say that, it means that the listener doesn't believe that generalizations matter. But of course generalizations matter. There was a, I mean, to, to give an odd analogy, I, was, I just read a terrible story from, I don't remember which African country. Oh yeah, I think it was Zimbabwe, but may not have been. Where a black mamba, one of the most poisonous snakes in the world, got into a classroom bit a young kid on the thigh and the kid died in a half hour. So is it's fair to say that in general, black mambas kill people they bite. But not everybody 
is killed by a black mamba bite. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if we can't make the generalization, then people will not be afraid of black mambas, and they should be. Okay, so that's my, my analogy for the day, or at least for this segment of the show. <laughs> so I, I argue that overwhelmingly marriage matures you. Even a crappy marriage. I have argued, and this I have argued, I remember a male-female argue where I said it is better to have been married and divorced than never to have been married. And a woman called, single woman, never been married, and she just disagreed with me. So I posed the following question to her. I asked her how old she was. I think she was about 35. I said, so let me ask you something, I said. Somewhere you can actually hear that. At PragerTopia.com you can hear everything. PragerTopia.com. It's worth worth going to and visiting. I asked her, so do you want to get married? Yes. Okay. So if I had to give you a choice, you could go on a date with one of two individual 40-year-old men. One had been married and divorced, and one has never been married. Which one would you choose for a date? And she said, the mar- the one who had been married. And she was right, by the way. And certainly, if I'd have said 50 years old, most women understand that at a certain age, if a man has not been married, it's not a good sign. Whereas that had he, if he had been married, it is a good sign. Now, why would they think that if they didn't think that marriage matures you in some way? I want to hasten to add some wonderful people in my life are, have never been married. I fully get it. It is not a knock on those people to say that marriage matures you. Humans are complex. And by the way, you could be mature in one area and immature in another area. But all things being considered, and especially when you think about the damage that disproportionately, the damage that single people do in society, single men in terms of violence and single women in terms of ideology, uh, it is... uh, It is a pretty strong case for getting married. There are many other strong cases for getting married, believe me. But I'd like to get your reaction to my statement that overwhelmingly marriage matures you. 1-8-Prager-776-877-243-7776. Has that been... Your case. I mean, I've never met anybody who ever, anybody, this I have not met. I have not met anybody who was married, either then or in the past, who said, I actually got less mature once I married. (laughs) I have not. Maybe, maybe even less happy 
they had a terrible marriage. That uh, That's possible. Uh, but less mature? And maturity is a very big deal. Maturity has to do with wisdom. It has to do with self-control. It has to do with understanding life, understanding the other sex, and so on. Is this your experience? Do you believe what I believe, that marriage matures you? Not everybody who's married is mature, but disproportionately has that impact. And then having children. Do you know how often on the radio, this has been a little game I play sort of with myself. You have heard me ask on many occasions, are you married? And the game that I play with myself is just, and they may be talking, the subject has nothing to do with marriage. And yet I can pick up a vibe very often on whether the person is married or has always been single. 877-243-7776. I'm going to take your calls upon our return. There's one problem with my argument. How many young people want to mature? In other words, grow up. That's a big problem. I have uh, often argued all of my life that marriage matures you. I knew this when I was single. And I, I, th- I thought I was a relatively mature single, but there's no question I got more mature when I, I got married. That ended in divorce. I still got more mature. In fact, I got more mature from the divorce, too. <laughs> I'm only laughing because it's dark humor. Suffering matures you in general. I think, I'm not sure. It's an interesting question. Does suffering mature you? Anyway, I don't want to get into that because that's not the subject. But the the, uh, the single male is disproportionately the source of violent crime, and the single female is disproportionately the source of destructive ideas. So they each do, each have their destructive effects on society. All right, let's see what you have to say. And uh, Christina in San Antonio, thank you for calling. Oh, thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm. Take it away. Go ahead. Oh, I've, I've just been hearing this talked about on a few different conservative podcasts lately, and it's a little concerning to me that there's a disconnect between how people view millennial women and how we actually are and how we were taught when we were in, in schools. Uh, we were put in a frame of mind of constantly thinking in a feminist way, um, you know, be career focused, be ambitious, don't think about getting married, don't think about having children. And it put us into huge amounts of debt. Um, and we also had to deny certain aspects of ourselves in order to be successful in whatever field that we chose. 
So now to have people turn around and get angry at us for this when that's the way we were taught to be is a little bit concerning because a lot of us do want to be married. Uh, but we were told to ignore that desire for a very long time. And for a lot oh, of us, I, we're out I, All right. So I, ha- I, I have a three-word answer. Not by me. Okay. <laughs> I, I have told about how destructive feminism is from the day I began speaking uh, in my 20s, in, in the 1970s. Uh, I, it was so obvious that this concentration on pursue career and a, and a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle was completely nihilistic, destructive, anti-female, anti-male, anti-human. And that most young women bought it is a tragedy, and I am completely in agreement with you. I can only say that conservatives all along said the feminist message was toxic. Then why wasn't anyone saying that when we were in school? We were, did. but you, you, I, I don't know if you were listening to talk radio when you were in school. I'm not, I'm not being cute. <laughs> no. I, I don't know. But if you if you were listening to talk radio, you would have heard it. If you were reading any of the, uh, then it wasn't the internet, then it was much more magazines and newspapers. If, if you were reading any conservative, I don't know of a single conservative source that thought feminism was a, a, a step up for mankind. Why didn't the parents intervene at all? Somebody had to have known that this was being taught to us, and we were put into that frame of mind at such a young age, and nobody did anything about it. Because we're trying to defend Most parents... All right, so this is very interesting. So millennial, is that what, like 1980 to 2000? Is that correct? Um, about in there, yes. Yeah. So those parents, let's say those parents were parents who they, they themselves were born in the, in the 40s and 50s. So those those people didn't have a clue, didn't have a clue what was being taught to their kids in college. I hate defending them because they made terrible errors in, in raising children. But the fact is, either they agreed with it because a lot of, of, of uh, let's see, you're 30, you're, you're, what are you, 35? Yes. Okay, so what year were you born? I could figure it out, but it'll be faster if you tell me. 87. Okay, so, all right, so your pa- your parents are how much older than you? Uh, they were born in the 60s. Oh, so they're, they're, okay, they're not even 30 years older than you. Okay, they were born in the 60s. Okay, so in so they went to college then in the, uh, by, by 1980, let's say, or early the early yeah. 80s. Well, okay, 20 years before that, people were saying, uh, were, were saying, don't trust anyone over 30, and that uh, echoing the, the feminist line that a woman doesn't need a man, she needs a career. So the, either those parents agreed with this message that you think was damaging, and I think was damaging, or they were oblivious to the fact that that was the message. It was mostly obliviousness. That's, I saw that um, yes, among my right, friends. Yes, exactly. So, look, thank God you know this at 35. When when did, if 10 years ago, would you have said this? Yes, I, I was actually um, criticized a lot in school because I wanted to grow up and become a 1950s housewife. Uh, so a lot of the teachers gave me a hard time about that. 
And I started getting involved in politics early, but unfortunately, my friends did not. So they got sucked into all of the immoral kind of subcultures that were going on, um, which was unfortunate to see. But the, I think that a lot of people missed that I was a rebel. I was somebody that argued with my teachers. The kids that were obedient to their teachers are the ones that ended up the way that they did. That's and that's right. the sad yeah, thing about that's it. what the teachers were teaching. So are you married now? No, uh, unfortunately I'm not. I was living in California and I took too long to leave, <laughs> I think was the big mistake. Well, I truly, I truly hope you find somebody. You sound wonderful. It, the tragedy is when the 50, 60-year-old woman calls my show and said she bought the feminist line and going home to an empty home devoid of husband and or children is not what she thought would bring her the happiness that her career obsession does not bring her back in a moment the Dennis Prager show Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Earlier this week, I discussed with you the rise in the last election, these midterms, a decisive rise in the elections of the single woke female. SWF has been changed from single white female to single woke female. And the susceptibility of single women to these society-destroying, children-destroying ideas. And it's not surprising since, as I've said all of my life, marriage matures most people. And this is the largest percentage of single women in American history. Single does damage. Single men are overwhelmingly the men who commit violent crimes. Single women are disproportionately involved in wrecking society. Okay, so let's go to Peggy in Westminster, California. Hi, Peggy. Good morning. Hi. 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 My call is um, kind of, kind of. Uh, I didn't catch the very end of what you spoke with the last caller, but it really inspired me to call because... I think the the biggest problem has been the propagandizing of our children, and it's been going on a long time. I All agree. of this teaching has been going on in California for a long time. I was on, uh, I was able to be a stay at home mom, and that was really difficult at the time. The uh, societal disagreement with that for women to stay home, you know, was go get your career. And so, I, but I was on committees state, uh, for textbooks, um, for sex education, and all of this stuff has been around a long time. So she's right in, well, in saying that at school she was kind of a pariah. I know. I, I said that I on uh, The Young Turks, a left... I said, forgive me, I just want to tell you, I said that on a very uh, widespread uh, left-wing uh, podcast, The Young Turks. I said that uh, if a young woman gets up in a high school or college class and says her greatest aim is to get married and have children that she would be regarded as a pariah. And she said, oh, where's the data for that? I made it up. 
This is the, the world of denial of the left. Of course, of course you're a pariah. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. going to beat you up. They're not going to shoot you. But they'll think you're weird and somewhat of a loser and certainly not ambitious enough and bought some toxic patriarchal propaganda. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. Okay. But they, they really, you know, just like today, we all just kind of shut up and don't say too much just because, you know, nobody wants to be hated. But um, the kids and just like what came to my mind earlier was Joy Behar coming up with the thing going on with confidential documents. It's okay for the president because we like him and we know he's honest. But for Donald Trump, he's a jerk and we hate him and we know he lies. And that's what the news is. It's all propaganda that used to be in little back rooms like I was in for textbook committees, you know, wanting to to teach children K through 12 that it's just as easy to say vagina and penis than it is to say elbow and shoulder. I mean, literally. Yep, yep, you're right, you're right. I'd like to comment, by the way, on a line that uh, you used. Nobody wants to be hated. Of course that's true. But I, I think that... The question in life is not, do you want to be hated? It's, do you live not to be hated? That's the question in life. It's a worthy question for another hour. If I, to speak personally for a moment, I, I get a lot of love and I get a lot of hate. I do not take positions based on will I be hated. It does not play a role in what I do. Let's put it that way. Or say, the moment it plays a role, you have to compromise on what you believe. So so that's the issue. Nobody wants to be hated who is normal. But uh, if you want nobility, you can't pursue non-hatred. All right. I think that's clear. That's good. And the phone number here is 1-8-Prager-776. Hi, everybody. I'd like to remind you that I will be leading a trip along with my colleague Mike Gallagher to Israel. The last one was put off because of lockdowns. I never say because of COVID. I always say because of lockdowns. People who go consider it one of the greatest trips of their lives, if not the greatest. It's called Stand With Israel Tour, October 25th to November 3rd. Just go to DennisPrager.com and click on the Stand With Israel banner. And, you know, life's short. Should maximize great experiences. That's my take on that. Ma- marriage matures people. That's the topic here. Single people do disproportionate amount of damage to society. Single men disproportionately violent. Single women disproportionately destructive of the of the society. So of course, there's no man who hears this and gets offended 
but there are a lot of women who hear this and get offended. And I won't comment on the, the distinction. Okay, Beth, Cleveland, Ohio, thank you for calling. Hello. Hello. Um, I wanted to say I think more women want to be married, but the dating process today doesn't lend itself to, to getting married. What does that mean? The what is it? Did you say dating? What is the what is the dating the process? The dating mean? process. So, I think that people get physically involved very quickly in general society, and because of that, um, there's a focus on the physical, and don't really know do they get along with the person. If, yeah, if I would go. I would go further them. from what I hear. From what I hear from a lot of uh, women dating is that a lot of guys simply say, if we don't have sex within a couple of dates, you know, I'm out of here. To which the woman should say, thank you for letting me know what an a-hole you are so early. I don't understand why women buy that line. Isn't that an announcement that you're, you're, you've just met a jerk? I would say so. Wait. Okay, so that that that's um, that, that's the answer. Look, ironically, though, I just read data that on now with the youngest uh, singles in their twenties, uh, it is more men than women are are anxious to date. Hmm. So it's really it, I, it's it's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Can I can I say what what worked for me to get married? Yeah, I've been married twenty years, and um, I was brought up. I was not religious, and I became religious when I was twenty-five. I'm an Orthodox Jew, and my husband and I, when we were dating, we were not physically involved, and we met each other. We got along very well. We saw if we got along with each other. Um, we were engaged after three months, and we were married three months later, and it's now been over 20 years. And I think if I had stayed not religious, I don't know that I that ever would have happened, certainly not as quickly as it did. I think you're right. That's true for religious Jews, true for religious Christians. I agree with you. You're, you're, uh, you're certainly, as they say, bringing coals to Newcastle on this program. <laughs> How many kids do you have? You there? Did I lose you? I'm there. No, 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 I'm yeah. here. How many, um, how many kids I do have you have? Four, I have four kids, and I got married when I was 30, and we had those four kids in the first five years of marriage. I would imagine. Well, mm-hmm. thank you, good luck, and I, I'm, I'm delighted you listened and called. Yeah, all the healthy things are the things the left hates. Religion, marriage, family, children. And you say, oh, what kind of stupid comment? The left hates those things? No, you're stupid if you deny it. You're lying to yourself. They have made war on the nuclear family. They have That is mom, dad, and children. They have contempt for the idea. It's white supremacist, male, uh, male um, supremacy, 
not supremacy, patriarchy, that's it. It's hard to remember all the left-wing terms to dismiss everything beautiful. And religion is for morons. No, anti-religion is for morons. Okay, let's see here. Let's go to uh, DJ in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi there, DJ. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Well, thank you. I I am so honored to to speak to you. You're a true patriot, and I just want to um, thank you for everything you've done for our country. Thank you for your thank you. It means a lot. I, on the other hand, I kind of, uh, you know, differ on belief as far as the um, commitment or the marriage making us a man. Can I can I tell you why? Sure, of course. That's why I took your call. Well, uh, when I I grew up without a father, and at eighteen, I grew up in Los Angeles, stabbed numerous times, got involved with some gangs, uh, with drugs, stuff like that didn't make me a man. When I, when I got in my early 20s, I got into the Marine Corps. Um, I served in reconnaissance, which is uh, did three tours, uh, did some shooting, shot, shot at. Um, that didn't make me a man. And got into my, my 30s, became a, I got discharged after three years because of trench foot. Um, but in my 30s, became a general contractor, made six figures the money it didn't make me a man and i just kind of wondered when this was going to happen what does it take like i thought it happened at 18 25 you know i'm still wondering when is this going to happen i then became a family nurse practitioner and I, you know highest level of education in my field it wasn't the education that made me a man eventually i was blessed with a i'm blessed with an incredible marriage and you know, I, I think that this marriage thing... Right, and that did it. I got a, I got a break, but I got the punchline. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. It's no wonder the left is not a big fan of marriage. It matures you, and as you get more mature, you leave the left. Immaturity and leftism are coextensive. Yes, so, as I have pointed out for decades, every unhealthy trend benefits the Democrats. It's very bad if if a party depends for its voting on unhealthy developments in people's lives. If you're unhappy, you're more likely to vote left. If you're single, you're more likely to vote left. If you think you're a victim, you're more likely to vote left. If you're happy, grateful, married, children, you're more likely to vote right. Shouldn't that be suggestive of something when you think about the two? Okay, you have great calls here, but I want to take one that is on another subject, only tangentially related, but it is, it is an, uh, if Aaron in St. Louis 
If you can be brief, I'd like to uh, like to respond. Go ahead. Dennis, I love you. But, you know, so many men and men I know have been financially divorce raped by the 80 percent of women who initiate divorce in this country that I think you have to keep that in mind, too, with your with your comments. Yeah, it's not what you're called about, but it, it's it's a fair statement. And thank you. It, but it doesn't negate it. It doesn't negate what I said. You're right. The divorce laws are pathetic. Uh, in fact, I have a theory on them, uh, on divorce laws in this country. They don't favor men and they don't favor women. They favor the irresponsible party. Family courts are among the most misnamed institutions in the country. They are anti-family courts. The person who wishes to damage the other has massive advantages in the current legal system. That's the way it works. Very sad. What he called up originally about was what my comment about the country not being united. And I, I think it's another subject, if you note that, Sean, it's a, another subject. Is the country united and the leadership at odds, or is the country disunited? And the answer is the country is disunited. Leaders are elected. They don't, they're not flown in by extraterrestrial jets. All right. John, Lisa, and Pamela, DJ. DJ, I took Robert and Peggy. Thank you for calling from Miami. See you tomorrow. Coextensive. 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 Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, Every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at pragertopia.com.